This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, Home, Part 5, Unresolved Conflict. You will encounter conflict during the course of your life. If you cannot handle conflict within your home, you will not be able to resolve issues outside of your family. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Hey, we're in this family series, home series, talking about family. And I want to continue, uh, even from my own home, to talk about family. A few weeks ago, I had uh, all of my uh, family, my wife and my children, meeting and talking and and dialoguing uh, with us about growing up in the Jenkins household. And uh, uh, one of the things that was talked about was uh, conflict, resolving conflict. And one of my children, I, I dare not call Sarah, my oldest daughter by name, who uh, mentioned that her way of resolving conflict is uh, talking loud and out talking everyone. And uh, I hope, uh, I know everyone knows that that is not the answer to how we resolve conflicts, but unfortunately, that is, in fact, how people do resolve conflict. They just get loud. They, they don't listen. They don't hear. They, they're bodacious. They are rude. They are aggressive. They are insensitive. And so uh, I started uh, talking about this family feud piece last Sunday, and I want to pick it up today. And there are four areas that we're going to be talking about over these weeks. And today we talk about resolving conflict, conflict resolution, and uh Allow me just to spend some time today and give some insights of what I believe are keys to helping us resolve conflict. There's so many matters and so many areas that contribute to conflict. It's just not uh, one single thing, but there's so many things that contribute to conflict. And I want to spend some time today and talk about what I believe are some keys to resolving conflict. Over the course of my Almost 40 years of being married to my wife, we've had our fair share of intense fellowship. We've had uh, moments of discussion and dialogue, and I've, I've uh, shared with our church family on so many occasions on some of the things she has said. Of course, I said stuff she said, because she always got the smart things to say. She's always got something just to deflate my, my air and win and just make me want to just quit. You know, I like the time she told me that the problem with our marriage, John Jenkins, is that we're both in love with you. Just took all, all just took all my wind out of me. Just took all the air out of me. Just, I didn't have a comeback. I wish, I need to get a book. If anybody got a book on comebacks to smart alecky remarks, that's what I need. How can I come back? What can I say to combat that issue and that challenge and that, 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 that statement she made. I remember to this day. And she's had so many of those things to say in the midst of our uh, our challenges. Uh, and my children during growing up have had, oh, day after day, moment after moment, fight after fight. But I've come to recognize that conflict is a way of life. It is, it is something that you will encounter conflict during the course of living. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to order it. You don't have to try to find it. It will find its way to your home. It'll find your way into your life. And the question is, do you and I have the tools, the skills necessary 
to resolve conflict or to deflate intensifying moments of fellowship. And uh, that's what I want to talk about today because, in fact, uh, resolving conflict is skill-based. It's a skill. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, if you learn the skills, if you, if you have in place the knowledge of what to do, what not to do, you can resolve conflict. And I believe that God created the family unit to be the place and the environment to teach children how to resolve conflict, how to handle conflict, how to deal with other people. That's, that's the whole essence of one of the reasons why God created family. And I believe that if you cannot learn how to resolve conflict in your family, you won't be able to resolve conflict on your job, or you won't be able to resolve conflict in the community, or you won't be able to resolve conflict in the church. So many people cannot handle or deal with other people because they didn't learn how to do it in their own homes. And that, that may be the problem with some of you adults that you, you never learned how to share. You never learned how to surrender. You didn't learn how to communicate. You didn't learn how to listen. You didn't learn how to recognize that life doesn't always revolve around you and your wants. Go on and preach, Pastor Jenkins. I'm, I'm preaching in my chair today, sitting down, preaching up a storm, and I ain't even got started yet. It becomes critical and important to learn how to resolve conflict. Conflict started all the way from the beginning of time, from the beginning of mankind. There's been conflict. Matter of fact, if we take a few moments and look throughout the scriptures, we can see the first marital conflict began with Adam and Eve. They had their share of challenges. And in Genesis chapter 3, open your Bibles to there real quick. I hope you have your Bibles. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, we see uh, some early stages in the early t- part of time during Adam and Eve's uh, lifetime, the first couple, the first marriage, the first family, and some issues that they had. Let me read these first six verses of Genesis chapter six, uh, Genesis chapter three, Genesis chapter three, these first six verses. Listen to this. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Here's the first conflict right here. Here's the first challenge and problems right here, that here's a family that had issues because they disobeyed the commands of God. You're going to always have conflict when you don't obey the Lord. So many people want, um, want to be able to do what they want to do, but they don't recognize that when you dishonor God and don't obey him and his standards, it's going to create problems. And this is the first issue right here. 
This family, in fact, this family, Adam and Eve, their marriage had boundaries, limitations, restrictions. God has never called us not to have restrictions. Everybody has restrictions in life, and they had restrictions. They had boundaries that God had given to them. And by the way, they both knew the boundaries. Adam knew the boundaries because God gave it to him, and Eve knew the boundaries because Adam gave it to her. They had these boundaries and they knew them and they both chose to dishonor them. Eve disregarded them and Adam discarded them too. The problem is when families establish boundaries, but then they don't honor them. Guidelines, restrictions, agreements of what is acceptable and not acceptable, what, how we're going to live and not live. And yet we disregard it. We choose, we make the decision to disregard the concerns or the restrictions that we have, as a family, have created. So Adam and Eve disregarded the boundaries that God gave to them. Matter of fact, brothers and sisters, we all have boundaries that God gives to all of us as human beings. We have boundaries. But here's what the remaining part of chapter three says, going to verse 13, uh, that they ate of it. Verse seven says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid from God. You cannot hide from God. They tried to hide from God. Then the Lord called, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? You know, it's important to know that when God asks you where you are, it's not that he doesn't know where you are. He knows everything about you. He knows where you are, what you're doing, who you're doing it with. He knows everything. He says, where are you? So he said, I, hear, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Because I, I, I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Stick a pen right there. Check Adam out. He's, he's guilty of doing something that a lot of people do. I call it the blame game. Here he's guilty, and ultimately he's responsible. He's the leader. He's the one that should have maintained the standard that was established for the family and the rules that God gave. He should have respected and honored the boundaries. As a matter of fact, when he saw Eve talking to the serpent, communicating with a uh, influence outside of the family. There's a sermon right there talking to somebody outside of the family, listening to them. Woo, go on and preach, Pastor. I have to encourage myself because y'all ain't here to tell me amen. He tried to blame it on his wife, even though he knew he knew the commands. God gave it to him. He knew the restrictions. When, when he saw her trying to eat, he should have spoke up. As a matter of fact, he should have not only spoken up, he should have tried to use his influence to tell her, don't go down that road. Don't do it. You know what God has said. But no, he didn't say a word. He was silent, 
silence when he should have said something. And, and when she ate it and then offered it to him, he should have said, no, Eve, I can't do that. And I'm sorry that you did it. He should have maintained his standard of obeying the Lord. He should, have, he should have kept to the rules that God gave to him. But no, he didn't. He participated with her and partake of it. And then he sought to blame it on his wife. I call it the blame game. And this inability for them to properly handle this, this violation transcended down even to their children. Y'all, parents need to understand that your children will do in excess what you do in moderation. Before you jump on your kids because they're playing video games all the time, how often do they see you watching TV all day? You get mad with them because they got drug addictions. What was your drug that you got afflicted and addicted to? They do in excess what you parents do in moderation. What's a little bit to you, they take it to another extreme. They had two sons that had their issues and their problems, conflict. They had their conflict. Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, and, and they had conflict among them. In chapter 4, go to Genesis chapter 4, and here there's conflict between these two sons. Allow me to read this, this section of passage to you because in the first six verses, there's a challenge that goes on because Cain and Abel offered a sacrifice to God, an offering to God, but one was accepted by God and one wasn't. Cain's offering was uh, uh, not accepted, but Abel's was. And, and, and Cain got angry and upset because his offering was accepted. And so now there's a conversation between, between him and God. Let's go to Genesis chapter Four for just a second, and let's read this. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, verse one, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their flat, their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, verse six, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Verse seven, if you do well, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Do you get the picture here for just a moment? They're upset. There's tension. There's a problem because Cain's offering wasn't accepted, but Abel's was. And there is the challenge and problem here today. But God said to him, he said, Cain, if you do well, if you make the right choice, what you offer will be accepted. There was something wrong with Cain's offering. There was a reason why God didn't accept Cain's offering and he got angry because Abel's was accepted. What was the difference? 
I'm glad you asked the question. The difference is, is that what Abel brought to God was the first fruit. It was the, the best that he had. It was, it was, the, it was the, the best that he had to offer. What Cain offers was leftovers, hand-me-downs. It, it was not the best that he could offer to God. You, you and I need to understand that what God wants from us is our best. But this conflict arose, arose here because Cain could not stand the fact that Abel accepted, God accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And God has said to Cain, God spoke to Cain, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to do better. You have an opportunity to make the right choice. If you do well, it'll be just fine. If you make, the, if you make a better choice. You see, I think one of the big challenges and issues is that so often people uh, want to be able to just do minimal and expect God to accept it. And when God gives you an opportunity and you don't want to do that, don't get mad because God accepts other people's offerings and gifts and sacrifice and what they do. That was Cain's problem and issue. He didn't want to do better. He didn't want to rise to the occasion. I think, I believe, and I am persuaded that all too often we compare ourselves to other people. There is a comparison principle here that people compare themselves to others rather than living by the expectation of pleasing God. As a matter of fact, that's what you ought to do. Please the Lord. Let God's offering be acceptable to you. Do what's pleasing in his sight. Don't worry about what God does with anybody else or what anybody else offers. So much tension goes on because of what other people do and what other people say. But the mandate from God is for you and I to do what's pleasing in his sight. Let me read verse 7 again. If you do well, if you make the right choice, if you come and bring the best that you have to the eternal God, verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire for you. It will seek to control you, but you should rule over that sin in you. You should deal with that sin in you. Verse 8, it says this. Now, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. They communicated. Cain talked with Abel. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. You see... You see, there was, a, there was a problem here. Cain was bothered. He was disturbed that God didn't accept his offering. And he went and talked to his brother about it. But there were some challenges with the communication. There was some issues there. As a matter of fact, I, I believe one of the critical factors for conflict is that people don't know how to communicate. I don't know what the essence of the conversation between Cain and Abel was. I don't know what they said. But what I do know is that it led some anger to be birthed out of Cain. And he reacted and responded by killing his brother. I want to spend a few moments, the remaining part of what I have in this message today, to talk to you about the skills that are necessary to help communicate. Because a lack of communications is what is at the root of so many conflicts that are not able to be resolved. And I'm going to use some 
acronyms to teach you how to talk to somebody. SBI, 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 write that down. The S stands for, if you need to go to somebody and talk about how they've offended you, the S stands for situation. Identify the situation. This is when the offense occurred. This is where the problem rested. This is what, and it has to be something uh, that, that you can pinpoint exactly when it happened. You, you don't say, you always say, or you never. Stay away from those words, always or never. Don't use those words. Give the specific situation of when the problem, challenge, hurt occurred. Situation. That's S. B stands for behavior. Highlight this. Put a star next to it because it's critical. It's critical that you identify the specific behavior that occurred. Behavior. Something you you heard. Something you saw. Their behavior. Not their heart. God has never gifted us to look into someone's heart. That is not a spiritual gift. It is never, you cannot look into their motive of why you think they did it. No, ever. That's out of order. You see, that's demonic territory. The de- you can't prove what's in a person's heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when you do that, you're entering into demonic territory. When you begin to look into somebody's heart and make accusations, the devil is an accuser of the brethren. That's demonic territory. You don't go on things you can't prove. You can only go on what you saw and what you heard, what they physically did, behavior. The I in SBI stands for impact. Here's how that behavior impacted me. You can say I was bruised, I was hurt. You hurt my feelings. You made me feel like, you made me feel like you don't love me or care about me or you don't respect me. SBI. You got to pause when there's a time for you need to go to somebody, pause and slow down and say, let me communicate with you in this way. Here's when it happened. Here's what I saw and observed or heard. Here's how it impacted me. If somebody has hurt you and affected you, Matthew 18 is clear that we are to go to our brother and be reconciled to them. And this is how you go to them to be reconciled. Go to them privately, not in front of a group. Not in front of a crowd, not in front of everybody. You and that person one-on-one. SBI. Now, the question is, if somebody comes to me with an SBI, how do I handle that? What should I do? One of my pastor's sons shared this with me, and I thought it was excellent, and I'm using it here today. Lover, L-U-V-A-A. Lover, L-U-V-A. A. The L stands for listen. I think this is probably the skill that most people don't know how to have, don't know how to listen. You don't know how to shut it down and hear what somebody else says. You know what most of us do? When somebody's trying to share with us what their challenge and pain or hurt is, we are already thinking of what our answer is going to be. You got to learn to listen. You have to learn to be quiet. Shut it. Shut it down. Close your mouth. Listen. Somebody say, listen, listen. Learn how to listen. I've been in so many arguments, seen so many people arguing, and I've observed so many challenges with people arguing and fighting and, 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 and can't get resolution because nobody's listening. Nobody's able to hear. 
You cannot resolve conflict if nobody's willing and able to listen. You got to listen. Let me just be quiet and hear, hear you out. The U in lover stands for understand. Seek to understand. As a matter of fact, I, I believe that everyone should seek to understand first, then be understood. Understand who you're talking to. Put yourself in their shoes. Try to view it from their perspective. See how you would feel if you were in their shoes and experienced what they experienced. That's critical. That's, that's, that's the thing that helps bring about resolution that somebody's willing to understand. So you listen. L, you understand. Put yourself in their shoes. V is validate. Ver- validate their feelings. Validate. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to like. It doesn't mean that. It means that you at least validate that that's how they feel. I was so guilty early in our marriage and through a great portion of our marriage when my wife would come and tell me how she felt about something and I would tell her that's the devil. But that was wrong. It was wrong for me to respond to her that way. In fact, I only learned later. I wish somebody had told me this years earlier that what my wife really needed is for me to validate how she felt. It didn't mean I have to agree with it. I just have to validate her feelings. I have to validate that that's how she feels. And, and nobody, I can't tell her she doesn't feel that way or that's not what's reality to her. If there's a problem with the facts or, or if she has some uh, misunderstandings of the facts, I could bring a different perspective, but it doesn't mean that I dismiss her feelings or at least even how she sees it. I think it's important that we we develop the skill of validating how people feel. The first A in lover, L-U-V-A, stands for apologize. Acknowledge it. You know what? You know what? Uh, A strong, powerful, mature thing is that people should learn to do is apologize even if you don't think you're wrong. Even if, even if, 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 I, if I think my relationship you, with you is important enough to me, I'll take the hit. Matter of fact, isn't that what Jesus did for us? He took the hit. He, ex- he accepted wrong even though he had no wrong. And as Christians, that's what we're, we should do. Apologize. You, say, you know, I, I didn't mean to hurt you. Matter of fact, take the word if out, not if I hurt you. Say, you know what? I didn't mean to. That wasn't my motive. It wasn't my intentions. Will you forgive me? That's a strong word. Practice that. Write it down. Will you forgive me? Apologize. And then the last A in lover stands for make amends. Amend. What can I do to make it right? What can I do to help you feel better about it? What can I do? And sometimes it means changing your actions. Sometimes it means making payments. Whatever it takes. Whatever steps you need to take, that's what Christ has called you and I to do. Make those amends. It goes a long way. It's a skill. It is, in fact, a skill. It demonstrates spiritual maturity. It demonstrates a level of maturity that most people don't have. It's a skill that you can learn. You can do it. Can save a lot of stress in marriage, a lot of challenges, a lot of unresolved conflict. 
It can be done. I've learned, sometimes when my wife and I have been in arguments and disagreements that she, keeps, she might keep bringing something up over and over and over again, and I've learned that the reason she continues to bring it up or would continue to bring it up is because she never felt heard. I never gave her the space to know I heard her. And I would say to you, if you want there to be peace, help them feel heard by validating their feelings instead of dismissing it. I would dismiss my wife's feelings by telling her that's the devil. I dismissed it. No, I needed to validate it. I'm grateful today that we serve a savior who who wants to communicate and have relationship with you and I. He wants to live with us and he's made it possible for us to have life with him. And I'm grateful to the Lord Jesus that he's helping us to have life by dying on the cross, by accepting the wrong for sin that he didn't even do. He never did it. He wasn't a sinner. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took it upon himself to accept our sin. He's modeled for us what you and I ought to do with the people that we love and we care about. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. You're going to always have conflict when you do not obey the Lord. It is important to always listen, understand, validate feelings, apologize, and make amends with the individual you're having a conflict with. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.